I cannot fathom going back to working for somebody else, even though, you know, in many ways I do work for my clients. Being, having the freedom to be able to work from anywhere at any time on my own terms, I'm at the point where I can choose which clients and projects I'd like to take on. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy course, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Welcome to the Dreamer's Moment. We talk to people who are in the arena, chasing their dreams. Well, I'm Jessica Mehta. I'm an author, mostly a poet, and I'm also the founder of Metaphor, a writing services company. Oh, great. And so uh, tell us a little bit more about what Metaphor is. Uh, Metaphor is mostly a writing services company. We also offer editing and some translation services. I founded it in 2012, and I was a freelancer before that. Before that, I was a grant writer for nonprofits, and I kind of stumbled into it. Um, but at this point, we offer services to media platforms and companies around the world, ranging from startups to Fortune 100 companies. And we specialize in search engine optimization writing, so mostly digital content and getting it high-quality, organic, and ranking well on search engines. So That definitely answered my next question. What, what was your typical clients like? So let's go back a little bit because you had an interesting childhood and you have an interesting heritage. How did, how did all that influence your writing? Well, I, um, I was a first-generation low-income Cherokee college student. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing when I started my undergraduate career. I ended up with um, a bachelor's in English and a master's in writing. And at the time, even though this was only about 10 years ago, there was this idea that I believe still persists that what are you going to do with a writing degree? And I had no idea. So I was a grant writer. You know, I sought out these different ways of kind of tying writing into my work. And when the Great Recession happened in 2009, I was laid off by nonprofits um, consecutively twice. They just ran out of funding. So I started kind of delving into the whole gig economy, though that wasn't really a term at the time, and discovered there really was a way to make a living as a writer. And that's how this got started. Um, as a Cherokee woman, it's always been important to me to 
build in giving back and everything that I do. And so I offer pro bono services to Native Americans, Native American nonprofits. And there's also a scholarship tied into Metaphor as well, though it's administered by the state. And it's the only um, scholarship exclusively for graduate students pursuing a degree in writing. And so you mentioned that you were you're working for these nonprofits. So for a lot of people who want to venture out and become an entrepreneur, it's sometimes they have to make that step of faith. But for you, it was just kind of kind of forced upon you, right? You 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 were suddenly on your own. It, <laughs> it was, yeah. I um, I mean, I was fortunate in many ways because it was due to the economy. I had um unemployment insurance. And at the time, it just aligned perfectly. So I'm based in Portland, Oregon, and it's pretty high cost of living. At the time that I was laid off, I had the opportunity to move to Costa Rica, where it's much lower cost of living. And I didn't know it at the time. I figured it out quickly. You can still collect unemployment. So I was making ends meet over there and started looking at ways of virtually making money as a writer, I found my very first client off of Craigslist. I wrote for him for about four years in total. And I had no idea what I was doing. It was about midnight. I was, you know, perusing Craigslist and I saw this ad for a writer. And the job itself paid very well, I thought at the time. It still does for new writers. But he just wrote in such an arrogant manner that I had to write to him and say, you're not going to get very many qualified candidates for that kind of attitude. And that's how it started. That was my very first 100% writing job. Wow. So, <laughs> so your big first gig was off of Craigslist. That's that's pretty amazing. And, I, you know, I still do find good contracts off of Craigslist as well as other sites. Well, it's a great site, and it is free. <laughs> so here you were out, uh, so you had this first job. Were, were there, I mean, for for you, it wasn't like a guaranteed success at that point. When did you get some momentum with this business? How did you know you were kind of transitioning from those first jobs to something that was sustainable? I I gave myself a year. I mean, I didn't sit down and say, okay, I have a year in Costa Rica to either make it or not. but I dove right in. I'm very much type A anyway. And you can be, you can figure out very quickly if a client or a project is a match for you. Um, I figured out in that first year the kind of industries that I was interested in, the kind of clients that I like to work with. And I did definitely get tied up in some projects that were not good, where I ended up not getting paid. I mean, I did have that safety net of the unemployment insurance and being in an area of low cost of living, but still a year is a pretty quick time frame to decide. And I moved back to Oregon and that was just kind of it. I hit the ground running and founded the company and that's how it started. You're writing for some big clients and I don't know how your uh, other books fit in your timeline, but you've got like, uh, is it like six books, novels um, that you've written? Six, yeah, six books are out there. Two more are releasing in 2018 and 2019. Um, So like I mentioned, I'm mostly a poet. It's six books of poetry, one novel, and then one business book. And the business book is How to Make Money as a Writer. Um, How do I find time? Usually I write poetry when when I wake up at 3 a.m. and there's a line that I need to write. I don't want to say that poetry is easy by any means, but I do believe it's simpler to kind of 
curate a collection of poems. It's not like writing a novel where you're mapping out the plot and you really need to be at it every day or you're going to lose momentum of the character development. So poetry, I think, can be done in more of a, as you're inspired and gathering these pieces and putting them together like a puzzle. When I wrote my first novel, it was incredibly intimidating and frustrating. Um, I'm the kind of person who I need to stick with a project beginning to end with no breaks. So I figured out the average word count of the kind of novel I was writing, which was 80 to 100,000 words, figured out about how many chapters there are for that kind of book, about 30, and how many word counts that would need to be per chapter. And then I told myself, I'm going to write a chapter a day, five days a week until it's done, and five, six weeks, it was, it was over. Wow. So it was incredibly stressful, but for me, that was a really doable way of breaking down a book. I think what I can't imagine is how you're going from writing for you know, corporate America or whoever you're writing for, and then having to, in your spare time, write more. That just, that sounds daunting to me. It's just such different kind of writing. I feel really fortunate that I'm paid to do what I love, which is to write no matter what. I don't always write about what I love. During my business hours, I'm writing for plumbing companies, a lot of hotels. So to me, it's easy as someone who's naturally a writer, but it's not my writing. So it's just two very separate worlds that have some overlapping skill sets. But my writing poetry is very much therapy and cathartic. So it's just in its own little space in my life. Okay. So the one that jumped out at me, and I, I hadn't looked inside, but The Wrong Kind of Indian, that didn't, is that poetry or is that, is that a novel? That's a novel. Um, I, there is also a poem with that same title, so there's some overlap oh. there. But yeah, that's my one and only novel that's out there right now. Okay. So I looked at your uh, list of accolades, uh, and it's amazing. I, I Honestly, I've never had to scroll down so far in my life. Um, what, <laughs> Thank was, you. Was there anyone that really stood out for you? For a long time. Um, so this past autumn, I was awarded a 40 under 40 from a Native organization. And when you have that kind of award where it's like, you really got to get in there before you're 40. And that comes up fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was nominated for three consecutive years before I received it. So getting that, it was something that I'd been thinking about realistically for three years that I had heard about for quite a while. So that was definitely a biggie. And it was so empowering to be in this huge room full of fellow Native American entrepreneurs. It was an entrepreneurial organization that offers it a lot of creatives. Um, I mean, I'm half Cherokee, but I grew up far away from my Cherokee half, which um, that family is in Oklahoma. So for me, it's always been a bit of a challenge to surround myself with um, my Native roots. Okay. What, what is life like now? Um, how is it different since you um, made that step out of uh, corporate America and into uh, entrepreneurship? I cannot fathom going back to working for somebody else, even though, you know, in many ways I do work for my clients. Um, being, having the freedom to be able to work from anywhere, 
at any time on my own terms. I'm at the point where I can choose which clients and projects I'd like to take on. Um, it's challenging. Sometimes it's really overwhelming, but I absolutely thrive on it. So every now and then I get an offer or an ask to teach a workshop. And sometimes I do, or to teach something else that's more long-term. And every time I think there's a tiny bit of a draw for me, that kind of stability, but it doesn't even come close to comparing to the freedom that I'm allowed now. So um, I also do think I have quite a bit of security when you have numerous sources of income. Uh If one happens to go, then you do still have that other safety net. So it's just, I, I know it wasn't that long ago since I started the company, but it seems like another lifetime. (laughs) So one of the freedoms you have is for instance, being able to speak, be a part of this panel of speakers at the AWP conference. Uh, what's, what's, right. what's that about? Um, so I'm going to be on the panel of Submittable, and the title is Head in the Clouds, and we're discussing poetry and technology. And AWP is, you know, arguably the largest conference for writers and publishers um, in the West, at least. So I was invited by Submittable because I was featured on one of their first um, blogs and podcasts when they started doing that. And I'm, I've never been before. I'm really excited to go. And when I realized it was in Tampa, and this is another freedom, I realized I've never really been to Florida. So I created this whole road trip with a friend around it who she's going to come down with me and kind of work from the road and get to know the area. But yeah, I always try to maximize any form of business travel that I'm lucky enough to be a part of. So finally, what would you share with others who are in a day job as you were and that want to pursue their own dream uh, that something you've learned on your journey that you feel others might benefit from? There's a really tough line of wanting to give yourself some security and sticking with some form of a steady job and just diving completely in And nobody can tell you when the right point to do that is. I mean, for me, I was kind of pushed into it. But I see so many people who cling to that stability. And there comes a point where you have to choose one or the other. And I talk about this in my business book as well. And there's all this advice of save up X amount of months salary and do this and do that. But I believe a one-year time frame should be enough for pretty much anybody it's easier than ever with the gig economy of being able to work around the clock. And of course that comes with inherent dangers too, Mm. but a shortish term one year plan of being able to drop the current responsibilities and move towards working for yourself. If that's your goal, I think is the bravest and hardest thing Mm. you'll ever do. But um, yeah, that one year plan is, that that worked for me that's a that's great advice um how can people find you on the internet um you can visit my business site metaphor.com and that's m-e-h-t-a-f-o-r.com or um, my author site is jessicameta.com Next time on The Dreamer's Moment. First of all, it begins soul deep. You know it's the right thing. You feel so much better. You feel so much lighter. You know it's the right thing, and it's been a long time coming. 
The Dreamer's Moment is part of the Life Podcast Network, a group of family-friendly podcasts bringing a positive message of hope and inspiration. Find us at lifepodcast.net.